welcome to Color Me Conscious. We have more in common than difference. Our intention is to explore the intersectionality that unites us and build consciousness about the layers of oppression we all carry. Color Me Conscious, where consciousness is at the forefront of the discussion about race. Conscious. I'm Mylika. And I'm Myra. And we're so happy you're here with us today. We welcome you and still in January 2019. And we are here to have a feel good episode. That's all we want to do. Because we have had some really heavy subjects. Mm -hmm. We've talked about some very depressing things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just keeping it real. I'm putting it out That's there. That's super real. It is that I've left. We both left after a recording session being like, I'm triggered right now. Yes. Talk to me. Incredibly triggered. I mean, there's so many traumatic things that are happening, but they are worth discussing. So we decided that we're gonna we're gonna do this episode about Exactly. Celebrating the wins of 2018 as we go into 2019. And season two, you know, we're getting a little bit seasoned ourselves mm -hmm. in podcast hosting now. Mm -hmm. So the first uh, episode was you getting to know us, the hosts, a little bit more. The second uh, uh, episode here, we wanted to let you guys know a little bit more about what is Color Me Conscious all about. Right. You know, we have the our, our, our trade, you know, our, our stamp basically when you look at Color Me Conscious, you look at our logo. You look at the content that we're producing. We're always talking about the same six topics. Yes. Diversity, inclusion, equity, empathy, accountability, and allyship. Right. Those are the pillars of Color Me Conscious. And we try to discuss those pillars through different lenses like politics, entertainment, music, media. Right. Current events. Right. So that's that's why we're here. <laughs> that's why you listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe just listen to us because we're funny. I mean, yeah, maybe <laughs> just be watch us because we're beautiful. Like, whatever you're into. It's, maybe. We're, not, we're not judging. We're not judging at all. Right. But we wanted to go ahead and we, we picked, like, a, a story that we're going to use to highlight each of the different pillars of Color Me Conscious. All right. And so the first topic that we wanted to get into was that of diversity. And so let's start with the definition. The concept of diversity encompasses acceptance and respect. It means understanding that each individual is unique and recognizing our individual differences. I mean, and that, that speaks a lot, right? Because everyone brings something of value to the table, regardless. Yes. And we've seen so many new people come to the table when it comes to politics in our country. Um, record numbers, really. It's inspiring, honestly. It's, it's motivating, and it makes me feel like there's hope for the future. Absolutely. So in 2018, in our midterm elections, um, the 116th U.S. Congress has been officially sworn in, and in a record number, 125 of those seats went to women. Oh, back it up, back it up. 125 congressional wow. seats in the United States Congress now belong to women. Honestly, and, and I feel so empowered mm -hmm. by that. I feel empowered by that. I feel inspired by right. it because I know that a woman is going to look at an issue differently mm -hmm. just by inherently being a woman. Right. I mean, there's just there is there's no other way to put it. I mean, when we talk about why is it so important that why is diversity important? Mm -hmm. It's because everybody brings something unique to the table based right. on our own experiences. I mean, and when we talk about just that group of women, they are vastly diverse in themselves. We've got 
two Muslim women in Congress now. Mashallah, mashallah. We've got uh, the first black congresswoman for several states. Mm -hmm. We've got the first openly bisexual woman now representing wow. in Congress. I mean, we've got the first Native American yes. woman representative in Congress. This is huge. There are there are so many new voices, there are so many new perspectives that I think are going to serve our political scene very, very well. Because there are so many issues that need to be need to be brought up that are not. Right. And just in this um, process of these women getting elected, mm -hmm. then it's already brought into the forefront right. conversations that weren't being had before. Exactly. For example, Ilhan um, Omar, Omar. She was, she's the Somali-American represented in, I believe, Michigan? Don't quote me on it. Um, somewhere where there's like a big Somali population. I'm pretty sure it's Minnesota Minnesota. Minnesota. And it was mm -hmm. an M. <laughs> no, you close enough. Okay, um, but but I, I follow her on Instagram, and there was like um, this basically, you know, controversy after she got elected of you know trying to push her to recant her stance on uh, BDS, mm. which is uh, for those of you who don't know, BDS is boycott, divest, sanction Israel for the genocide of Palestinians. It's a movement of financial accountability uh, for United States and our companies investing in the genocide of Palestinians. And she, mm -hmm. they tried to put pressure on her to recant her stance, and she didn't. Right. Stay strong. And that, like, even being within, like, the, the, the political dialogue, mm. that's a win because... So many people don't even know what BDS is. Right. You and, know? And she has the voice. She brings a perspective that wasn't represented before. Exactly. She's a visibly Muslim mm -hmm. black woman. Right. So, claps and snaps to you, Ivan Momar. Thank you. We Thank love you, girl. And Rashida Talib. Talib. Um, another Muslim woman in Congress now. So I didn't know if that was a typo or if that's really how her name's spelled. I think so. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's just a little bit. We also have Kirsten Sinema, the first openly bisexual person elected to the Senate. So this is huge for the LGBTQ community to have an elected official that is in the has the lived experience of someone within the LGBTQ community to be able to represent people to speak knowingly and with um, accountability and empathy um, at the table because it's one thing for folks to be interested in LGBT issues it's another thing for them to live within the skin of someone who identifies that way. Exactly. And to then also be able to speak truth to 100%, power. 100%. And to be able to have power. 100%. And that means a lot for a lot of people to see themselves represented. And that's what diversity is about. Seeing yourself and different factions of yourself represented in politics, in the media. And to me, that's what diversity is about. That's why it's one of the pillars of Color Me Conscious. Beautiful. Thanks. So the second pillar, the second one we're going to talk about is empathy. And empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. Mm. So empathy is a really important quality for, I 
think pretty much every human being. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and venture out there and say everybody should, be, should empathetic. be empathetic because if you're not empathetic, you do not have a, a emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to attune and relate to another person. Right. Um, you don't know how to like be in the moment right. and, and to be authentic mm -hmm. if you're unable to be empathetic. Right. So empathy is really big just like on a personal level. Right. And right. you want people to treat you the way you want to be treated. Exactly. So if you want empathy, you have to give it. Yep. Facts. Speak on it. So <laughs> so empathy is an extremely important thing. And one of the like kind of cool things I stumbled upon um, that is being done around empathy is surprisingly it's a tech thing. Mm -hmm. And when I think of like the tech world and how everything has changed, you know, um, with social media and people being more and more detached. It's, I love when I hear a story about how people are trying to use tech to bring people together, yes. trying to use tech to build empathy, because empathy is something that is, you know, pretty much just, it's an emotional thing, so it's really, not only is it something that's just generally like a human attribute, not like a, you know, algorithm sort of thing, right? but it's also something that's usually attributed more to women. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Of, we kind of naturally like have we that. Inherently, just right. have that quality, like how Monica right. was saying, how being a, becoming a mother changed her life, right. you know? And some of that, mm -hmm. you know, is definitely empathy. Mm -hmm. But this tech story, it's about this, um, about this company. I was reading an article in what is the name of that magazine? Pacific Standard Magazine. And it, I actually was scrolling through and I read a couple of different articles all about how virtual reality is trying to be used to increase empathy yeah. for different groups. So the one that was most recent was a study done here in 2018 where they recruited 117 people to participate and they basically did like a some people read a story and other people did a, uh, a virtual reality um, segment, exercise. exercise, where it was like, imagine that you found yourself homeless. So kind of go through the whole thing of like losing your job, losing your home, living out of your car, not being able to, you know, uh, support yourself or your loved ones. And um, whether people completed the virtual reality versus reading the story, then they did a series of... Um, surveys later, like right at the time that they finished, and then a couple of weeks later, a couple more weeks later, seeing if like that empathy persisted over time. And the reason that it was done last year is because uh, there was an initiative here, the like Measure A was about increasing taxes um, in order to provide more affordable housing in the Bay Area, which is a huge issue for us. And so it was really cool just to like learn about how this tech company is using virtual reality and, and, and using it time and again actually to try to increase empathy for marginalized groups. And so this most recent one was about homelessness, but they've done ones in the past regarding, um, what were they, the one was I think about bullying. Right, there decreasing was, bullying in the children. Right, right. And then uh, uh, there was other things as well. There was quite a few ones I was reading about. It was teaching, uh, they're just basically a bunch of different stories of them trying to teach empathy and and it, that ties into some of the episodes that we've talked about in the past when we talk about implicit bias, mm -hmm. when we talk about the way that racism is something that um, is so pervasive mm -hmm. and it's it goes under the radar right. because some of it is subconscious. Right. 
And, and a lot of this is learned behavior. Learned behavior. I mean, as children, you're not unempathetic. Children empathize a lot better than a lot of adults. Right. Children understand how to relate to people a lot better than a lot of adults. And so our society kind of puts some of those barriers. Yeah, right? yeah. People unlearn those things. Right. Those, those common, like, things that just create us all as humans, you know? Um, but just like implicit bias can be untrained and unlearned, Things like increasing your empathy for uh, other people, holding a space of compassion when you see somebody struggling, and, and actually, you know, there's a difference between empathy and sympathy, mm. and I think that it's important we just touch base on that because when you sympathize with somebody, you feel bad for them in their situation, but you don't feel for them. That's like the main difference. Like I think, you know, when you feel bad for somebody, there's always that little layer of it. Like you're looking down on them or you're seeing yourself as distant and separate from that person. And people don't like it when other people show them sympathy because we all have a level of like human dignity that we want to maintain. So we don't want other people to feel bad for us, which is what sympathizing with people is. Empathy is different. Empathy is putting yourself in that other person's shoes to imagine how do they feel. Mm -hmm. And that is a very important quality to have, mm -hmm. both um, for society at large and just for your own sanity and personal like well-being, mental health, health of your family and your loved ones, your friendships, and mm -hmm. even your career. So if you don't have empathy, I suggest you build it. That's <laughs> why it's one of the Stat. pillars of Color Me Conscious. That. And so the next pillar that we wanted to go over is inclusion. And inclusion means that all people, regardless of their abilities, disabilities, or healthcare needs, have the right to be respected and associated as valuable members of their communities participate in recreational activities mm -hmm. in neighborhood settings and in the workplace and interpersonal relationships. So to me, that that means everybody needs to come to the table. Mm -hmm. um, everybody needs to be asked to come to the table. Um, and when we notice that wrongs are occurring, then institutions, um, enterprises, and organizations need to step in and say, okay, something's wrong here, right. and we don't have enough people um, with varying perspectives included in our decision think tank to right. talk about how do we fix so, this. One of the great things that happened in 2018 started from unfortunate circumstances. Mm -hmm. So two black men were unjustly arrested in a Philadelphia Starbucks after refusing to leave um, when they asked one of them asked to use the restroom but hadn't purchased anything okay. and that was a, that's a policy that Starbucks hmm. uh, claimed they didn't really have but well, I was like I've walked into Starbucks a million times and just used the bathroom it's literally one of my go-to's when I have to go to the bathroom it's like where is the closest Starbucks because I always know I can use it right. so it's unfortunate that um, these two men were arrested for doing something that people do every day honestly I've done it a million times well, and I think one of the things that was like really upsetting about it was the fact that like a manager had gotten involved and then um, the, the men were just waiting for like another person to uh, come meet them. Yeah, they were just waiting they were going to order. They were just waiting for a third person so they could have a meeting or do exactly. whatever whatever business they but had. But the manager called the police. Right. And so once the police arrived and the men were arrested, that's when, you know, cameras came out and things got out of hand. Though. It went viral. Right. Luckily, the two men that were arrested were very calm and handled themselves with incredible decorum, mm -hmm. given the fact that it was a completely unjust arrest. But what, what springboarded out of that 
was an effort by Starbucks as an organization to address the implicit bias that may have been at play when that manager decided to call the police. Um, so what happened is on May 29th, Starbucks closed um, its doors to 8,000 corporate-owned stores. They shut Starbucks down. Shut it all the way down so that they could... I remember that. Yeah, mm -hmm. conduct a staff training that mm -hmm. addresses implicit bias, promotes conscious inclusion and prevents discrimination because what we saw happen is that two black men were treated in an unfair and unjust way right. based on what they look like not on what they did they didn't do anything wrong right and so what starbucks realized and what a lot of companies need to realize is that Every employee comes to work with their own baggage, with their own set of experiences, with their own set of beliefs. And it's important that when we talk about inclusion, that we include those that think differently from the mainstream. There you go. It's important That's that when we talk true. about inclusion, that we include those who maybe aren't as conscious as others, mm -hmm. that maybe haven't done implicit association testing to see where their biases are. We need to include those people You're at the right. table as You're well. You're so right, because how are people going to unlearn those social ills right. it's, not, it's a, not to be included in the conversation? Right. So, personally, I think it's not a fully inclusive conversation unless you have... Um, so many varying belief systems, right? But we have to agree to disagree and we have to respectfully disagree right. when we do have conversations. Right. So to me, uh, Starbucks did the right thing, albeit that it came out of a very unfortunate situation. I think that- One that's actually really prominent and still happening in so many places. I mean, even just this right. week. Mm -hmm. Did you see the woman who was a McDonald's employee who got assaulted right. by that? It was a black woman, a right. white man. He reached across the counter and grabbed her. Right. And, over, and she defended herself. What was it over a straw? It was over a straw because a straw. they didn't have plastic straws. They uh, don't give out plastic like straws at McDonald's hello. in Florida because a lot of countries, a lot of um, states are, yeah. are getting to a point where they're banning plastic straws. So he got upset. He grabbed this woman. Um, she defended herself. Right. But again, um, a bunch of other employees stood around and watched. Right. All these men stood around and did nothing as they watched this woman get attacked. And then afterwards, it was even outrageous that the manager came over and tried to like finish the transaction with the guy. Right. Yeah, it was it was pretty ridiculous. So I mean, I, the reason that I'm bringing that up is because this is like a, do a drop in the bucket when it comes to the need for corporate accountability mm -hmm. for white supremacist culture. Mm -hmm. So we're glad that Starbucks is showing the way of having like inclusion training. And right, and wouldn't it be nice if McDonald's followed suit at after this? incredibly unfortunate ordeal that that where an employee of yours was completely attacked McDonald's should shut down yeah McDonald's should maybe should maybe think about giving more training uh, to one day its shut employees down. because yeah. while the situation escalated incredibly quickly it also could have been handled a lot differently and so that's we'll, we'll, we'll punt to you McDonald's the balls in your court <laughs> so <laughs> that the, <laughs> the next pillar that we want to talk about but I'm bum. That would be me. Uh, and that is about accountability. Right. So accountability is defined as a condition of being responsible for one's actions and decisions. Mm. And that is a very important attribute um, to have and something that needs to, like, like when, you, when you don't find a lot of stories that kind of, like, have that as the central theme. It doesn't really sell, you know, mm. maybe it's not quite as sexy. Hey, <laughs> but but <laughs> it is it's actually it's it's very much needed. And and this story I found really inspiring. It's actually by a group of youth activists 
who are suing the United States. The whole United States? <laughs> yes, go there ahead, is go a ahead. group of youth ages 11 to 22 who have sued the United States government. It is uh, Juliana versus the United States. Mm -hmm. it's, I think it started like in 2016 and it's gone through like, like some appellate courts and stuff and mm -hmm. it was brought up to the Supreme Court. Um, it was bunted, I think, from like Oregon because a, a female judge had uh, given their grounds for um, taking it to the Supreme Court by acknowledging that there is uh, that access to a clean environment is a fundamental right. Amen. So by her, yes, by that judge uh, agreeing to that part of the argument, then it's being able to be taken up to the Supreme Court, Juliana versus the United States, 2018. Hey! So let's give it up. Let's give it up to those youth. Oh, there's hope for the future yet. <laughs> Just when there's all these like auto-tuned and people doing crazy bird box challenges where they walk around with blindfolds on <laughs> for no fair reason at all. Just when that happens, the youth turn around and they sue the government over I'm, their rights. I'm so inspired. I honestly, I, I stumbled across this um, first in conversation and then I read an article, but I would love to know more about the people, those youth that are involved in that suit because it's honestly the youth have so much power and are already changing our world in so many ways right. and it's just not being highlighted. You right. know, when you think about the um, gun control and March for Our Lives. Um, that also happened in 2018. That was in 2018. That was youth-led as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of like very positive things that the youth are doing. To hold power accountable. Exactly. Because accountability is one of the largest pillars of Color Me Conscious. Exactly. And the next pillar that we wanted to talk about is equity. Hmm. That one, you know, it's funny because... I kind of, what's the difference between equity and equality? Right, it happens a lot. Sometimes people confuse the terms. So when you think about equality, you want to think about everybody being given the same thing. So everybody gets $10. That's equality. Everybody here can have $10, right? right? But equity is, in the same sense, giving something, but also taking into account what a person needs individually. So if I'm going to dispense this money equitably, I'm going to look at what you have and what you need as opposed to just giving everybody the same amount of money. So everybody would get what they need. So if I already have plenty of money and you don't have any money, then when the person's coming to give the money out, I think I'm going to give my 10, they should give you my 10 as well because I don't need it. I appreciate that. Right? I, I just think that's equitable. <laughs> I see. Right? Yeah, because like if you and I are trying to go to the same party and you have a car and you have gas and a chauffeur mm -hmm. and I don't have anybody to take me, I need to take the bus or I need right. to find a way, I'm going to Uber out there, right. then I need that money more than you do to right. get to the same destination. Right, and it would be equitable treatment for you to have the money and for me to be okay with what I have, right? So in 2018, there was um, another great example in the area of health equity and it's like, Ooh, I'm glad that you brought I up the point of um, of how to get to the party, right? Because right. Uh, what happens a lot um, when it comes to healthcare, especially for the elderly, is that transportation can become a barrier. Very and, true. And for a lot of people, healthcare is underutilized because of the barrier of transportation. Mm -hmm. So if I have to get clear across town, 
for my appointment by at a particular time and I may or may not have the money to get there, I may or may not have the cognitive ability to navigate a public transportation system. This is so many of my patients, by the way. That's like, several, what you're talking about right now, so many of my patients. So many That's people true. deal with this at varying levels, right? At varying ability levels and varying age levels and yep. varying demographics have um, this barrier to get to their health care. So Johns Hopkins um, and the American Public Health Association at their annual meeting, um, John Hopkins published an article. John Hopkins is like a very like renowned uh, medical uh, uh, hospital like training center. Yes, world University. renowned actually. World renowned, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so one of the presenters, Vanya Jones, um, who's an assistant professor in health behavior and society mm -hmm. and a poor faculty member at Johns Hopkins, um, she discussed her research on the quality of life of older adults. Okay. And so basically what, what they found is that um, they did surveys of, of the elderly that come for care, and they were trying to find out well, what are your barriers to um, utilizing your care, maximizing it. And for some of them, it was getting getting to their appointments. And what they found is that in asking, you know, how do you get here? A lot of them have someone who drives them because oh, when you get to a certain true. age, your driver's license can be taken away. Don't have good vision right. or hearing. Right, and sometimes you know cognitive ability is an issue. Sometimes Definitely. physical strength is an issue when it comes to memory controlling. loss. Right, yeah. um, visual acuity. A lot of those right. things go into play for reasons why older adults don't have a driver's license anymore. Right, and so then they become dependent on other people to get to their healthcare appointments and. When that person or persons that they depend on are unavailable, this research was conducted to see what alternatives there could be and would these patients be open to alternatives to getting to their healthcare appointments. What did the research show? So basically it focused on the thorny issue of older adults and transportation. So driving is an important mode of transportation. Um, yes. We're interested in what happens when older adults stop driving. What resources are available to ensure they're still able to get around? Great and question. how important are alternate modes of transportation to overall quality of life? So this research was presented and um, well, it's very it was it's it's very helpful, but we see that there's um, a lot of dynamics that are at play, mm -hmm. and the relationships have to be maintained between these older adults and those that are driving them to their appointments. And if they're not, then alternate sources can be difficult to rely on sometimes. True, whether it's a taxi, you know, mm -hmm. um, they'll do Uber if they're phone savvy, mm -hmm. um, paratransit. If right. They're able to. If they're able to utilize that, as well as regular transportation, like public transportation. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the 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 research underscores the conference's health equity now theme, which means that convenient, user friendly transportation is vital for older adults mm -hmm. to access their communities, services, and healthcare. It's so we're talking. I'm talk like feeling <laughs> that. I'm really feeling that. Thanks, Bob. So yeah, so fine. So really, um, Dr. Jones has created a narrative to talk about equitable treatment in healthcare and getting people what they need, how they need it, so that everyone can, you know, have a quality experience, a quality healthcare experience in this case. And that's access to healthcare, mm -hmm. I mean, Equ equitable, equity in all areas is a part, is a pillar of Color Me Conscious, but yes. in this case, health equity, and it's so close to both of us for what we do professionally, um, this one to me just spoke volumes, and so I'm really appreciative that people are doing research and continue to do research like this, because it's really, really valuable. Exactly. And then the last pillar of Color Me Conscious is allyship. 
allyship is a very important and near and dear one because like without like we rely on each other to you know just build on that creativity and that like energy and moving forward you know and in order to do that like I have to be able to speak up for my Lika, and my Lika can yeah. speak up for me. Like, we, by being an ally, that's how we become stronger. Like, mm -hmm. by ourselves, we don't have as much power. But we get together, we start making influence, then right. that's what allyship is all about. And that's how movements are made, by people becoming allies, realizing we have more in common than different. And the ways that we can use our power every day to change what's happening around us. And no matter which boxes on the form you identify with, you can be an ally to someone somewhere, somehow, some way. Let me read the definition. That's an excellent point. Yeah. So the allyship is a lifelong process of building relationships based on trust, consistency, and accountability with marginalized individuals and or groups of people. Mm. Say that. Right, snaps on that. Snaps. snaps on that. So many snaps on that because I am a black woman in America, but there are still ways that I can be an ally to another person. Right. I can be an ally to the Muslim woman in front of me in line in the cafeteria who did not want the hard-boiled egg that was picked up using the same tongs that picked up a pork sausage a moment. Ago. Oh thank you for paying attention to that. And by speaking up for yeah. her and her ability to have the food that she wants prepared in the way that she wants, right. I'm an ally, right? But and that required me to step up and to speak up for right. her, right? And so it's a skill. Right. And it's a skill that not everybody has. It's something that's cultivated and it's something that like if you have not been given that, you know access basically mm -hmm. in order to feel comfortable to speak up for yourself and speak up for others right. and learn how to do that then you don't know how right but everybody can learn to be an ally and we can change the way things are happening right here right now yep day-to-day -day, interpersonally in your everyday life you have daily opportunities to be an ally so there's a great story yeah. about a TED talk um, the, the woman's name is Melinda Epler um, you actually punted me this yeah. article it's so good so as I was saying Melinda Epler did a TED talk on TED Salon Bright Line Initiative and it was a talk about allyship and how to be a meaningful ally mm. She's the CEO, so she has the ability to impact a lot of people. Right. And I, um, I, I really enjoyed the conversation that she had. So here were some of the highlights. She talked about allyship. Um, she says, allyship is about understanding that imbalance in opportunities and working to correct it. Mm. So it, it's kind of like what we were talking about when we're talking about equity. Equity ties directly into allyship because you already need to be able to see that there's an in there's there there's, there's an, an inequity yep. there's an imbalance mm -hmm. in what it takes for one person to accomplish the same task as another mm -hmm. so you have to have that consciousness already in order to be an ally mm, so allyship is actually the action that goes along with equity right allyship is really seeing the person standing next to you and the person who's missing who should be standing next to you mm -hmm. And it's not just knowing what that person's going through, but also trying to use your power and influence 
uh, your privilege to help them succeed and thrive along with the people who are already thriving. Right, because there's enough room for all of us to thrive and, and quality allies understand that. And then the best part about the tech talk was that it was short, it was to the point. Mm -hmm. She gave three actionable ways that you can be an ally. And you can be an ally by number one, do no harm. Ooh. I love that because I'm in the medical profession mm -hmm. and do no harm is like the you first know, rule of <laughs> providing care. Medicine, okay, yes, Medicine do no 101, harm, do exactly. no harm. Right. And so, um, the, the thing that she highlighted in it was actually our responsibility to, if, if we're going to do no harm, then we have to understand as somebody who's privileged, what is a microaggression and make sure we don't do it. Right. So um, learning microaggressions and learning not to do them is how we can go ahead and do no harm. Right. Right. And then Just moving educate on. Educate yourself. Exactly. Number two is advocate for underrepresented people in small ways and help marginalize, uh, help, what is it, normalize allyship. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I would say I even noticed online is like sometimes my posts on Instagram will be like Black Lives Matter and I'll get some very like, um, like extreme sort of replies to it. Mm -hmm. So allyship is a really fun and exciting topic for us because we want to continue to grow as allies and we want to encourage other people to be allies. It's part of the Color Me Conscious six pillars. Yes. So we continue a lot of hopes and um, a lot of new uh, things coming up for Color Me Conscious in 2019. Mm -hmm. And one of those things is going to be us continuing to highlight people who are allies in our community. Right. So several episodes coming your way and we're going to do it in unexpected ways. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening. And if we made you think and you'd like to continue the conversation, visit our website, www.colormeconsciouspodcast.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Color Me Conscious Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>